Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Oh, we are going to take some time to search our souls, do a little research, and spend some time daydreaming to figure out what we truly want. No sense in spending time goal setting if you haven't identified your goal. Create smart goals, write your goals down, develop an action plan, build a timeline, and take action. That all sounds great. But first, where are you going? Here's the infamous line of questioning that we slough off unless we're prompted to create a vision for a job interview. Where do you see yourself in one, three, or five years? As a result, you might think this vision only applies to your professional career, but you can use this for anything. What do you want to do this next year? Figure this out. Your answers will chart your direction. Goal setting can be intimidating, and this aggressive push to have things figured out and to always be moving forward can be overwhelming. Let's take a moment and set the action steps aside. Take a big breath in and exhale. Imagine yourself in a room on a comfy chair. The lights are dim. And it's quiet, not the kind of quiet that gets your mind reeling, but the kind that you're grateful for. We have all the time we want to focus without interruption. I'm going to ask you a question, and there are no right or wrong answers. What do you want? In an attempt to give context but not guide your mind or answer, This doesn't have to pertain to something tangible, like a purchase of sorts. This can be a feeling, a desire, an experience, a moment. What do you want? Chris Sparks for Medium.com shares choosing goals, how to figure out what you want. The obvious question, once you understand the importance of goal setting, is... Okay, so how do I figure out what I want? Here are a few prompts and exercises to get you going. As with any question, the more you can diversify your avenues of attack, the better your final answer will be. The first step is to generate a list of goals to choose from. Before you decide what to pursue, list out all your possibilities. Goal setting is an opportunity to write your own story. Give yourself permission to think big. Or what makes sense aside for now. Here are a few prompts to help you get started. What is the most important problem that you could act on right now? What issue or cause would you want to work on, but people say, eh, it's too big to tackle. In 2043, you're giving a keynote at TED. What's the topic of your speech? What do you want your obituary to say? Write it out. 
What would you do if money were no object? If you were the last person on earth, what would you do? This long-term focus shifts our search area from what brings us happiness to what will give our life meaning. We are notoriously bad at predicting what will make ourselves happy, and most of our happiness is actually genetically determined, anchored to a set point. Meaning is much easier to get a handle on than happiness. We derive meaning in our lives from the pursuit of a challenging and worthwhile goal. The emphasis here is on pursuit. The achievement of a goal is relatively inconsequential from the amount of meaning we derive from it. I suspect that much of our existential angst comes from confusing happiness with meaning as goal pursuit leads to inevitable fluctuations in happiness. The model of emphasizing pursuit over achievement anchors two of my favorite prompts for choosing goals, using the powerful technique of inversion. What would you never regret attempting if you failed? What could you do to ensure that you live an unsatisfying life? When deciding what you want, try imagining what your ideal day would look like. How would you want to spend your time? Where and with whom? Write out a script of a perfect day. Visualize and practice the important elements so that the script eventually becomes second nature. That performing one activity activates associations of what a perfect day feels like. How are your days different now? To shift the trajectory of your life, commit to taking one tiny step toward realization of your perfect day every day. Time is the ultimate equalizer. No matter who you are, everyone gets the same 168 hours in the week. Where are your 168 hours going? How intentional are you about planning out your upcoming week? To add anything new, something needs to be replaced. Most people think being productive means working more. In reality, the most productive people usually work fewer total hours. They just focus on the right things. regularly reflect on which activities are low or high value? You create pockets of time by effectively using it. Do you have a process for arbitrating your time, replacing low-value activities with high-value ones? Define what time well spent means to you and regularly track how much of your time actually falls within that category. Knowing how you want to spend your days creates an exciting menu of available goals to tackle. This understanding requires regularly consciously visiting your deepest values while attempting to immunize yourself from cultural and social expectations. Also, consider how much money you really need to create the life you want, beyond status-seeking, scorekeeping kind of thing. Do you want to be spending your days building, creating, or amplifying the work of others? Collaborating closely or doing your own thing? 
living in public, or making it happen behind the scenes. Blurring the distinction between work and play, or focusing on balance and creating the life you want. An important meta-skill to build for goal setting is your ability to take the outside view. Ever notice that when our friends struggle, we clearly see the next steps they should take, but they can't see them. You're not immune. We have difficulty stepping outside of our experiences to view ourselves objectively. Our entire lives have been filtered through the lens of our own narrative interpretation, creating a persistent blind spot when we turn our gaze inward. You could even say that the true goal of learning in the modern era is to shine a light upon our previously invalidated assumptions. Here's some exercises that will help you take an outside view of your own life. Imagine you've just been transported into your body. You have amnesia, so all of your past decisions are unknown to you. Your only option is to appraise your current situation and make the most of your inherited skills and knowledge. What would you do next? Pretend you're the leading character in a novel you're reading. Fill in the blank. Why don't they just do blank? Now that you've generated some potential goals, let's narrow down the list. First, cross off any goals designed to meet the expectations of others. Your entire life is a creation of your choices. While others may influence your decisions, only you can physically take a step forward. Our posture towards goals should reflect that freedom of choice. Don't relinquish or take for granted your ability to choose. In single-player games, fulfillment comes from following our own inner scoreboard. Every goal should be of your own choosing and for your own reasons. Second, differentiate your goals from your dreams. While the pursuit of a goal is inherently rewarding, no matter the result, dreams depend upon achievement. Identify your instrumental goals. These are the intermediate steps on the path towards achieving your larger goal. Study the nature of what you're signing up for. Anything resonating with your life's meaning will need to be practiced regularly. Is this realistic for you? Every choice comes with a corresponding opportunity cost. What would you need to sacrifice to pursue this goal? Does the goal still excite you after you've recognized the price you'll have to pay for this achievement? If you want to be a rock star but are unwilling to spend your days practicing your craft, becoming a musician is not a goal but a dream. Now that you have a list of potential goals, how do you choose between them? With limited space on our metaphorical plates, what items from the buffet do we choose? This exercise is very helpful for making tough decisions. It results in an expected value for each goal, an objective score far superior to making apples to oranges type comparisons in your head. Start by listing out the criteria you will use to evaluate your options, limited to maximum of the most critical, five or six factors. For goals, your critical factors are time, investment, enjoyment, difficulty, and potential impact. Simply put, an ideal goal will be both exciting and impactful, 
but not too difficult or time-consuming. Then rate each goal from 1 to 5. To get a final score, weight the factor ratings exponentially and then add them up. Your final scores may surprise you. The true power of this exercise comes not from the final score, but in the forcing function of number one, deciding which criteria are most important, and number two, questioning underlying assumptions. Consider this exercise a guide to harvesting your subconscious, accurate but possible to overwrite. If stuck between two options, here are three rules of thumb to break the tie. Never choose the status quo unless it's the overwhelming favorite. We are far too cautious towards making big decisions. People will make a change generally report being substantially happier than those who don't. Choose whichever goal is the most intimidating. The resistance, usually manifested as fear or doubt, tries to get us to justify the easier path. These emotions self-sabotage us in an attempt to protect our ego and need to be corrected. Choose whichever goal can be completed the fastest. Every goal in progress has an associated carrying cost, and every goal achieved builds a platform to pursue more challenging goals in the future. If you're starting out, build momentum by optimizing for completion. It's very easy to turn a successful, small project into a large endeavor, but falling short repeatedly is a recipe for disaster. If your next move is still not obvious, see if you can test the assumptions these scores draw upon. This could mean doing further research, talking to others who have done similar work, or conducting a brief experiment on your own. Due to imperfect self-knowledge, it's extremely rare to choose the right goal the first time around. That's okay. Goal setting is an iterative process and your aim becomes more true with each attempt. Think of your current goals as a rough draft which represents a tentative direction to head toward. If you're waiting until you have all the information, you're waiting too long. The world is full of unknown unknowns revealed only through experience. Attempts to make progress through deliberate practice will bring you a more accurate map of the territory than prompt or exercise. As Eisenhower said, plans become useless, but planning is indispensable. Optimize for decision speed as you can only course correct once you've started moving forward. The idea for this show came to me while my husband and I were talking about goals. See, we're both very goal-driven people. Now, that's not me bragging or snubbing anyone else, but more of an observation of the way we're both wired. Identifying something we want to achieve and then creating a systematic schedule, path, or the habits necessary to get there. Sounds pretty productive, right? Well, everything in moderation, including moderation, right? If your mind is too focused on future living, then one could say you aren't spending enough quality time in the present. If things in your life are too structured and planned out, you risk frustration and disappointment when timelines aren't met due to unforeseeable issues. There is always good and bad, or should I say, rewarding and challenging, but we are striving for a healthy balance. Where would you say your thinking lies? 
goal-oriented or live for today? Over at Harvard Business Review, I found info on why we set unattainable goals. Every December, many of us find ourselves scribbling resolutions at the back of our journals or making mental notes of what we'll achieve the following year. Yet one study suggests that a mere 19% of people achieve those same goals over the following two years. There are many reasons. Not knowing how to pursue the goal, insufficient willpower, choosing vague goals, or encountering unanticipated external forces. But another big reason is that in our quest to lead better lives, we often set unattainable goals. Ones that are too difficult for us to meet because we don't have the energy, skills, or resources required to bring them to fruition. Objectively speaking, whether or not a goal is truly attainable can only be known when we start working on it. When we set goals, we're not the best at measuring our own ability to achieve them. In fact, many of us sincerely believe that long shots are feasible. Take the example of people who are always looking for a new diet. I've been one of them. Many dieters fail to stick to a demanding nutrition plan because we underestimate the sacrifices we'll have to make. On the surface, it feels deceptively simple. Just a matter of altering our food choices, right? But not many of us realize how it's actually going to be a completely different change in our lifestyle. We're not just giving up on carbs tonight, for example. We're not going to eat them for an entire month. Why do people often set goals they can't actually accomplish? Goal setting is important for self-motivation and drive as it gives meaning and purpose to what we do. But humans tend to be overconfident creatures, especially when a goal is linked to our self-esteem. Fundamentally, it's important to our psychological well-being. We want to feel good about ourselves, not only in terms of our accomplishments, but also in terms of our aspirations. Therefore, when we assess our own capabilities at taking on goals, we tend to be excessively charitable. Having said that, some of us are more strategic. When we're uncertain about our likelihood of success, or even when we know that the likelihood is slim, we still choose to set a long-shot goal. The hope is that holding such a goal can help us attain more, even if we don't end up reaching the goal. We'll get somewhere. For example, you may set yourself the goal of getting an A in every single course next year in school, despite having received very few A's in previous years. Whether or not your circumstances allows for straight A's, you might choose to pursue Mission Impossible knowing that you'll get higher grades overall if you do. Setting a more modest and achievable goal like getting at least a B in every course will probably not give you the same results. So, are unattainable goals good or bad? The answer is twofold. On the bright side, the persistent pursuit of unattainable goals can lead to higher achievements. People who suspected beforehand that a goal was unattainable may later think, if I didn't attempt the goal, I would have achieved a lot less than what I have now. So I'm much better off having tried. Focus.
Focusing on smaller accomplishments can bolster positive feelings, motivating us to take on more goals in the same category. As long as we know that unattainable goals are not really about the destination, but the journey, they can be quite healthy. On the dark side, unattainable goals often end in failures, and how people react to failures varies greatly. For some, especially those who put a great deal of time and effort into long-shot goals, failure can be a crushing blow. If not managed well, fixating on the fact that one failed may lead to negative self-fulfilling prophecies or self-critical thinking. I'm just not cut out for this, or I'm worthless. Prolonged thoughts like these can lead to psychological downward spirals. For instance, the same student who strive for straight A's may end up believing that they're just not smart enough if they fail, when in fact, the situation is much more nuanced. This person may then abandon future academic pursuits and experience lower self-esteem. Another potential mental trap following failure is the false hope syndrome. In this case, we tend to misattribute the failure to reasons other than the fact that the goal was unattainable to start with. For instance, a failure to get straight A's can be attributed to a bad professor, to boring assignments, or to a distracting relationship. These misattributions can be dangerous, especially when they start to involve other people. Further, the accompany believes that things will be surely different next time can lead someone to try to achieve the unattainable goal yet again, initiating an endless cycle of failure with devastating emotional costs. While there is merit in setting stretch or long-shot goals, we need to manage how we react to failure. Here are some ways to stop yourself from letting failed goals pull you down. Celebrate small wins. Don't negate your progress as there's power in small wins. Suppose your goal was to read 36 books in a year and you've only read 10. It's proof enough that you're capable of moving the needle and making a change for the better. This is also known as the progress principle, which says that progress contributes to positive emotions, strong motivation, and helps spiral your productivity upward. You did achieve something, so celebrate that. Don't dwell on the failure. Reflect on your journey to achieving your goal. Think about what worked and what didn't. What are your roadblocks? Then lay out the specific actions you can take to make improvements. This can help bolster your drive and confidence. Reflecting can also help you identify activities that were truly enjoyable and facilitated working towards your goal. For example, maybe you liked taking a break from social media to avoid distractions while studying for school, but you didn't like isolating yourself from social interactions for long periods of time. Knowing what you enjoyed and what you didn't can help you set a goal more strategically next time. Think about accidental or related benefits. While you may not have achieved your goal fully, not all is lost. Attempting difficult goals may yield unexpected benefits. For example, in pursuing your goal to get fitter, the physical exercises might have helped improve your mood and increase your mental acuity, and as a result, improve your performance in unrelated areas. Ask for an objective analysis. We need to understand why we really failed. 
One simple approach is to ask a friend or family member for a post-failure autopsy. For example, a friend may candidly tell you that you failed your academic goal because you often came up with excuses for not studying or that you didn't read more books because you preferred listening to a podcast. A reality check from a trusted source may help you better understand yourself. Take a third-person perspective. Finally, this approach can help you set your expectations from the start. When you lay a goal for yourself, you don't always have all the necessary information that could predict if you're likely to achieve it or not. For instance, the analysis may reveal that for the person to succeed at the same academic goal, they needed to study X hours per day or have Y amount of research resources to reference. If you didn't have X or Y when you pursued the goal last time, you should ensure that you have at least those before you try again. This year, you may still choose to go high on your goals, and if you do, use these tips to get better at managing your response to failure. Remember, it's not really about the destination, it's about getting the most out of your journey to success. I love talking about goal setting. From start to finish, there is so much learning and growth that can take place. First of all, just taking the time to deep dive into what you truly want has so many benefits. We spend so much time worrying about others, our spouses, families, children, coworkers, bosses, and friends, that we miss the valuable time spent with ourselves. You ask everyone else, how was your day? What are you up to? What do you want? What do you need? When is the last time you asked yourself those same questions? We've been speaking positivity over our lives in an attempt to change the climate versus simply reporting on the reality. This visualization technique involves being a thermostat versus a thermometer. It's easy to regurgitate what you hear, spreading the same depressing news to everyone you speak to, as if they didn't just hear it themselves. If you believe that words have power and energy is contagious, what's the alternative? How about speaking about what you want to see in the world, in your community, and in your own life? Talk about the good and constructive things and spread joy in the power of your words. Help others see what they may have missed when negative events took priority in their thinking. Christine Moe gives us a valuable practice, five visualization techniques to help you reach your goals found at BetterUp.com. People around the world have been using various kinds of visualization techniques, meditations, and prayers for centuries. However, visualization often gets a bad reputation as being something mystical or woo-woo that isn't grounded in reality. But the truth is, you don't need to be spiritual to benefit from visualization techniques. Visualization has been studied by psychologists to understand how it works. And nowadays, everybody from professional athletes to CEOs are benefiting from visualization techniques. Let's take a look at what visualization is and why it's important. Then we'll outline some visualization techniques that you can start using yourself. Visualization is the practice of imagining what you want to achieve in the future as if it were true today. It involves using all five senses of sight, smell, touch, taste, and hearing. 
The process of visualizing directs your subconscious to be aware of the end goal you have in mind. It reminds you on a constant basis and it trains your brain to respond as if that outcome were true in the present moment. There are two types of visualization. Outcome visualization, envisioning the desired future endpoint, and process visualization, envisioning every step toward the desired outcome with all senses engaged. When the two visualizations are used in tandem, they yield the best results. We live in a world of digital overload. There's a constant cycle of news and entertainment. Plus, remote work is available with the click of a button. It's easy to become distracted. It's easy to believe that there's not enough time in the day. You just want time to step back and focus on the things that matter to you most. In his presentation, Unleash Your Super Brain to Learn Faster, Jim Quick offers a great set of metaphors. You can choose to be either a thermostat or a thermometer. The thermostat responds to the environment. The thermometer sets the temperature and creates the desired condition. Visualization is a technique that allows you to set the parameters to make your future vision a reality. In creative visualization, you direct your brain to focus on what matters the most to you and to engage in a process called selective attention. Have you ever bought a car and then noticed that everyone else seems to be driving that same car? We see the things that we choose to focus on. This concept in selective attention is exemplified in the classic video, Test Your Awareness, Do the Test. What you focus on and take deliberate steps towards are more likely to become a reality. That's true in both the positive and the negative. Have you ever imagined the worst possible outcome? Along with all the visceral fear and then it actually came true? What if you changed that to the best possible imagined outcome with the related elation and full sensory awareness? For the answer, you can look to cognitive behavior theory. Visualization is built on the foundation it teaches that thought precedes action. Visualization is a technique that takes the idea one step further. In imagining the future state, in full sensory detail, the brain's neuroimagery records the future state as if it were true today. This technique can be used to motivate you to focus on and work toward your future ideal state. It can be used to build your self-confidence. Visualization can also be used as a form of mental rehearsal. Through process visualization, you increase selective attention and engage the mental pathway that helps you fine-tune the movement before you even step onto the stage. Your movements are envisioned and in a way programmed to take the pre-planned actions. You can add these actions to a long-term plan or five-year plan. Visualization techniques can also reduce anxiety. They direct your attention back to the details of your desired outcome, in the process, minimizing the noise of other distractions. First, you have to do the pre-work. 
An excellent place to start is the balance wheel exercise. Check in on your satisfaction levels with the various areas of life. Is your life well balanced or does an area need attention? Next, become clear of the values that act as your North Star. Do you have family values, career, and money? Or travel, adventure, and freedom? How do those values impact the decisions you make? Finally, take some time to do some positive thinking. Use your imagination through reflective writing prompts. Who did you want to be when you were little? Who are you today? Is it the same or a different version? Also, consider when you were energized and felt most engaged and alive. What was it about that time that invigorated you? What mattered about that moment? Take a piece of that moment and imagine the future state you want. Try to get the same feeling of excitement and emotional intensity. Imagine where you are and what you're doing. Who's around you? How do you feel? What smells are in the air and what tastes are on your tongue? What are your thoughts at the moment? If you believe your thoughts, it's possible. If you don't, it's not. With an understanding of what matters to you most and why you're ready to begin the practice of visualization. Google the term visualization. Lists of elite athletes come up who have had to put mind over matter to achieve their own athletic goals. They've learned to focus on the critical movements before they ever step into a competitive arena. They understand that mental exercise is just as important as physical exercise. Stroke victims have used mental exercise of visualization to activate neuroplasticity. Just thinking about doing it mentally works in a way similar to physical activity. Visualization is illustrated in the Netflix series Queen's Gamut. Chess prodigy Beth Harmon rises the ranks by first being exposed to the game, then deciding she wants to master the game. She reads all the books about chess. She masters all the plays that she can get her hands on. She keeps practicing, then goes to sleep and visualize nightly the moves of the upcoming chess match with all of her senses. Watch a dancer prepare for her dance off stage, marking the movements with her feet and arms as she plays the dance out in her head. The dancer performs and then watches the dance replayed on video with judges' comments. She takes the adjustments and practices, then visualizes a process repeated over and over again, both as mental imagery and physically. Do you remember a time when you imagined the outcome clearly? The steps you took to make it happen? Did it end up happening just as you imagined? then you know that it wasn't a matter of wish fulfillment. There was desire, front and center, that guided your thoughts and behaviors, your neural pathways toward that desired, imagined, and fulfilled outcome. So here are five steps to get you started on your visualization practice. Write what you want in detail, engaging all five senses. As you include more sensory images, your vision will become more palatable and you'll be more motivated to follow through to make the outcome happen. Keep adding to the details until it feels as if you're living the experience. 
Imagine the emotion attached to the outcome. The more you can feel what it'll be like to accomplish the goal, the more you'll believe it can be attained and the more you're likely to act. Take action every day towards your desired outcome. Accept that there will be setbacks. Close your eyes and imagine how you'll deal with those setbacks as they come and continue forward towards your goal. Expand your knowledge. If more knowledge is required, research, talk to experts, take a class. Use the knowledge to further detail your vision statement and the steps that you'll take to get there. Make time to consider your visualization. Visualize twice daily for a total of 10 minutes. It's most effective in the moments when you wake and the moments right before you go to sleep. This will help engage the subconscious in your focused effort towards your desired outcome. Close your eyes and imagine the desired outcome with all related senses and all emotions. Write your desired outcome as if it's true in the present day on an index card. Read it in the morning and at night. Create a vision board and have it in your line of sight. See it when you go to bed at night. Here are some more techniques and tools you can use to learn how to practice visualization successfully. Create a vision board. This visualization tool is a collection of images and words that inspire you and represent your goals. It serves as a visual representation of what you want to achieve. Place your board somewhere you'll see it every day. That way you'll be consistently reminded of what you're working towards. Listen to guided visualization meditation. YouTube is full of free guided meditation videos. An interactive visualization can help you relax and set some time aside to focus on your goals. Guided imagery helps give you some time to focus. Use index cards. Do you remember using flashcards as a kid? Maybe you use them to learn math or words. As an adult, we can use index cards in similar ways as tools for visualization. Make a list of 10 or 20 goals that you're currently working toward. Write each one on an index card and keep it near your bed. Each morning and every night, go through the stack of cards one at a time. Read each card, then close your eyes and visualize yourself completing that goal. Picture and describe. The more detail you use when visualizing, the more real it is to you. It's one thing to get a quick thought that you want a slice of pizza. It's entirely different to really allow yourself to obsess over it. Think how much more real it seems if you take a few minutes to imagine how it would taste, feel, and smell to eat a slice of pizza right now. Create as specific of a mental image as possible. Try to provide your brain with as many details about your goal as possible. Utilize exposure. Exposing yourself to things related to your goals can help make it more real for you. Maybe one of your goals is to go parachuting. If you've never done it before, it's hard to imagine exactly what it would be like. Watch some videos of other people parachuting. Read accounts of people having written about their parachuting online. Or talk to people who've tried it. All of these things will increase your knowledge about it and make it feel more real to you. Try out some of these visualization techniques. Your selective attention will be directed toward fulfilling your vision. You'll be the thermostat creating the condition 
that's right for you. If you want to share Encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they're not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit Encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, spend some time with yourself as you check in on what's important to you and why. Big or small, set a path for yourself that includes the steps to get there. Check in regularly and lean on support when you need extra motivation to keep going. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Someone through until the path was clear.